Have you ever heard the, the saying, the clothes make the man? Or, or perhaps you've, you've heard it said, dress for success, right? Or maybe you've heard it said, she looks like a million bucks in that outfit. You know, we, we say these things, uh, but we would all like to think that, that what matters is the inner self, right? The inner man or the inner woman. You know, what's in your heart, that's the only thing that matters. But it's not the only thing that matters. I mean, think about it. We say, judge a book by its cover. Don't ever do that. But we do it all the time, don't we? Yeah, what we wear actually means something. Because what we wear actually communicates a bit of who we are and the task at hand and the confidence we have for the task at hand. And so today, I want to talk to you about your clothing and what it communicates. Military men, you know that there is a huge difference between wearing your camos into battle and wearing your dress blues to a formal ball. There's a sense of confidence that comes with the dress blues for the task at hand. And we all know this, don't we? I mean, think about it. Okay, you're going into open heart surgery. And you're, you're lying there, and uh, the anesthesia has begun to take its, its toll. And, and you're bleary-eyed, and through the cr- cracks uh, of, of your uh, eyes, you actually look. And, and this guy comes into the room, and he has blue overalls on that are grease-stained. And you look, and he has a patch on this side that says, Mr. Goodwrench. And on this side, it says, my name is Bubba. Now, I want Bubba working on my car. I don't want Bubba working on my ticker. And I think we'd all agree. You want somebody in surgical scrubs or at the very least a lab coat because you want them prepared for the task at hand. You want to feel confident that they're ready to do the, the task at hand. And I bet you feel the same way. As, as much as we'd like to say, well, it's just what matters in your heart, Confidence comes in the clothing. Clothing does make the man. So this sermon is about what you should wear before God, okay? But not maybe what you think. It's not what you should wear on Sunday morning. I'm not going to do a diatribe against wearing flip-flops or Birkenstocks to church. I'm not going to say that you should wear a dress rather than jeans. But what I am saying is that your spiritual clothing before the Lord is of absolute importance. Absolute importance. Did you know that one day everyone in this church will have to stand before the Lord and be judged by our judge in heaven? You know that? You know that Paul says in Romans chapter 14, we will all stand before the judgment of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue confess to God. So then, each of us will give an account to God. Each of us will give an account to God. There it is. One day before the king of the universe, each of us will have to give an account for every single thing that we've done against God and every single thing we've left undone that we could have done for God. What will you wear to church that day? What will you wear to church? In Matthew 22... Jesus tells this excellent parable about a wedding feast at the end of time. And it is so powerful. I I challenge you to go home and read it today. But there's a king, and Jesus says, The kingdom of heaven is like a king who's prepared a banquet for his son. So the king's doing a feast at the end of time. Sound familiar? 
God will throw a wedding feast for his son in heaven one day. And the banquet's prepared, and the scene is this. The lavish food is on the table. The, the wonderful wine has been prepared. And the invitations, RSVPs, have been sent out. And yet people refuse to come. In fact, the people abuse the couriers who sent the message. And of course, we know that to be the prophets of God who took the invitation of salvation to God's people. And they beat them and mistreat them. So what does God do? He comes up with plan B. He says, I will open up the doors of heaven to everybody. Jesus says in the story, to good and bad people alike. Think about that. Good and bad in heaven. The street people, homeless people living under bridges, people who are in prison as our Kairos ministry was serving this weekend, drug dealers and prostitutes, as well as doctors and lawyers and bankers and Indian chiefs. As John says in Revelation today, a whole multitude of people, both Jews and Gentiles alike, in an end-time banquet for the King of Kings and for his Son. But here's the punchline in Matthew 22. Jesus says there's this one guy who tries to sneak into the party. He doesn't have the right clothing on. And the king notices it and says to the guy, how did you get in here without the proper wedding clothes, my friend? And Jesus says in the Bible, the man was speechless. He was speechless. He could not justify his presence in heaven. When asked to give an account of who he was and, and why he was there, he had no recourse. He had no justification whatsoever. And this should wake you up this morning. Because here's how Jesus ends the parable. Then the king told the attendants, the ushers, he says, tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Throw him into hell. Throw him into hell because he didn't wear the proper clothing at the end time banquet in heaven. Seems a little harsh, doesn't it? I mean, really. But remember, clothes make the man. They're important. So I'm going to offer you three outfits this morning so you're not like that guy, speechless before God in the end of time. Two outfits are absolutely not proper whatsoever, okay? And one, one outfit is exactly what you should wear in heaven. For we will all have to stand before him one day. So the first outfit is you can come as you are, naked before the Lord. Or in the South, sometimes we say naked. When you're naked in the Bible, what it means is that you're spiritually vulnerable. You have shame and you're guilty and you're defenseless before God. Not a good way to stand before the maker and ruler and redeemer and judge of all. You know, there's only one time in the entire Bible that nudity or nakedness is actually okay. There, there's a positive spin on it. And it's in Genesis chapter 2 when it says the man and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. That's the only time. Of course, by Genesis 3, they have fallen from grace. They have disobeyed God. And in Genesis 3, it says they were both, uh, their eyes were opened, and they both knew that they were naked. And so you don't want to come to God naked and ashamed and vulnerable and guilt-ridden. Because what did they do? They hid from God. They ran away from Him. They were no longer worthy to stand in the presence of an almighty, holy God. They knew that they could not endure God's wrath naked. So, in that moment of desperation, remember what they did? 
they, they had a plan, and it's the flimsiest plan ever in the Bible. They, they said, let us sew together some fig leaves to cover our nudity. Oh, my goodness. Okay, you're standing before an all-powerful God, all-present God, all-knowing God, and, and you have to plan that you can hide out from that God. Well, they couldn't. And remember what God did? Two wonderful things. First of all, he did not destroy them for their disobedience. And second of all, he provided for them a clothing for their sin and a covering for their guilt. And how did he do it? He killed an animal. And through its blood shed and its covering made, they were covered for their sin. Think about the power of that, my friends. Genesis, the first book of the Bible, is pointing us to the last book of the Bible, the lamb who would be slain for our sins. And his blood would be our covering and his righteousness would be our peace with God. So we can't stand before God naked, right? Not as Adam and Eve did. What about your good deeds? You want to wear those into heaven? You want to wear your righteous works before God? Did you know that in a recent Gallup poll, 77% of all people said that they could get to heaven by their good works? I hope that you're not one of those this morning. Hear what God has to say through Isaiah to those who would try and good work their way into heaven without a relationship with the lamb who was slain. God says to them, all your righteous acts are like filthy rags. You want to wear rags into heaven? Your filthy rags? God says to them, I take no pleasure in your offering of blood of bulls or goats or lambs before me. Clothing, which is empty religion... Or clothing which is righteous deeds is not clothing which will stand before the Lord on judgment. God says, don't bring those to me. Okay, so you can't come naked. You can't come in your good works. Third option for clothing before the Lord is this. And if you want to look at chapter 6 of Revelation, you'll see it. Verse 17 in chapter 6 of Revelation. Remember the hint that Genesis gave us. An animal's blood must be shed and his covering must cover our guilt and shame. Well, here it is. Here's the fulfillment in Revelation. Chapter 6, verse 17, the questions ask, For the great day of wrath has come. Who will be able to stand? Who will stand? But in Revelation 7, verse 9 today, you see that there's this great multitude of people who are standing. Judgment has come and gone and still people are standing before a righteous and holy God. Not only are they standing, but they're worshiping and praising his name. Look at verse 12. They're singing this song. Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and forever. Amen. How are you going to stand before the Lord? Which choice of clothing will you take? How can sinners endure the presence of a holy and utterly righteous God? Well, in verse 13, that's the question. In verse 13, the elder in heaven asked John at Patmos that question. He says, who are these dressed in white in heaven? And John's clueless. He says back to the elder in heaven in verse 14. He says, I said to him, sir, you know. And then the elder in verse 14 says exactly what we need to hear. These are the ones who have made it through the great tribulation, and they have washed their robes white in the blood of the Lamb. 
That's why we wear white on Sunday mornings. We've washed our robes in the blood of the Lamb. That's clothing option number three. That is the only clothing option that's acceptable to God. How can anyone endure judgment through the blood of the Lamb? So, um, answer A, come naked and defenseless, never works. Answer B, come in your righteous good works, it's not acceptable. Thanks be to God for answer C, having washed our clothes in the blood of the Lamb. And when you do, and you put your trust fully in Christ Jesus and his redeeming work, guess what? You get the righteous royal robes of the Son of the Most High God so that you can have proper confidence to go into heaven without shame or guilt or fear. In 2 Corinthians 5, it says, God made him who knew no sin, Jesus, wore our filthy clothes to become sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. You see what happens there? That's the only way to stand. We get his righteous clothing, and he gets our filthy rags. He was stripped naked and humiliated for us so that we might be clothed in righteousness and have peace with God forever. He took off his holy garments in heaven and put on the flesh of common man so that we might be raised up in the radiant clothes of the king of heaven. He wore the clothes of a peasant carpenter's son so that we might wear the wedding garments of a king. That's the precious gift of salvation. How will you stand? If you're living your life naked before God, trapped in personal vanity, living an irreligious life, seeking your own life instead of God's life, I beg you, how Paul begged his churches so often, put on Christ. Put on Christ today. Exchange the clothes of a slave for the clothes of a son or a daughter of the Most High King. And if you're already wearing his garments this morning, if you're already part of those saints, that great multitude in heaven, I call you to give thanks and praise and rejoice in your salvation. Isaiah 61.10 puts it like this. I will rejoice greatly in the Lord. My soul will exalt my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has wrapped me with a robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself with a garland, and as a bride adorns herself with jewels. Thanks be to God. Clothes do make the man. So I call you today, put on Christ Jesus. And at the end of time, when judgment comes, you will look like a million bucks. Amen.